Southern Soul Livestream is a weekly talk show and music hangout where the hosts learn your name and just might remind you of a favorite relative. We spotlight fascinating people, discuss current events, and pay special attention to lifting up generations. So if you want to know more, learn more, be more, or just be, Southern Soul Livestream is the place for you. Join us every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Just log on, kick back, and experience the eclectic vibe. Check us out at soullivestream.com. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, KD, for helping us all understand what hashtags are, what the young folk are talking about, and how to properly have a comeback when people are just obviously out of order. Thank you, KD, for that. You know, I love that intro. Katie, we got to get the second intro for this year, but I'm still loving that intro. It says, we spotlight fascinating people. And I love that term, right? Because I'm like, what does that even mean? Right? I, well, we're not talking about the nine to five people who just do their career thing. No, 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 no. That's safe. We're not talking about the people who, you know, they just go and they start a farm and they do their thing. No, no, no. Fascinating people. The people that just kind of make you think, Wow. They chose to step out on faith, do something a little bit different. And tonight, I'm I'm excited to have what I call the mother-daughter duo. And I love this, this, this spotlight, right? Because, you know, it came organic, you know, my, my, my buddy, my mentor, Dale Green, he on here and he kind of, you know, introduced me to some people. But then people showed up. And I remember one day after the show, I'm like, well, who showed up? Because I'm always curious to see if y'all show up like y'all supposed to, right? And I saw there was a Gloria and I'm like, who is this? And I started seeing that she was covering my favorite topic. But it didn't end there. Because then I discovered that she had, as they say, a partner in business. Her own daughter. Thank you tonight for being here, Tracy T. Holloway. Hello, lady. What's up? Uh-oh. Let me, on, let me go on unmute. Yeah, you're ready now. <laughs> hey, how are you? <laughs> good, good. So I seem like you made it to your destination fine. You you weren't delayed. I did. I did. No delays. No delays. I'm here in New York. Now, is it true that you're actually in Texas? I think you are in Texas, right? Were you? I live in Texas, mm-hmm. but I'm in New York right now. Okay. I'm visiting my sister and her family for the next few days. So you know the fun- got in the day. The funniest thing is you actually live down the street from my family, you know, in Texas, which is weird because, like, what's the chance of that, right? So I think right. my aunt is on here tonight, and I've been meaning to introduce her to you because, you know, she does okay. some great work there. But anyway, we'll talk about that later. Let's get started, right? You know, I'm interested in knowing, you know, in, in case, guys, you, you know, you don't already know, Tracy is a brand coaching consultant. And... Tracy, if you don't mind just kind of telling the people what that is, right? And tell us, you know, not only what that is, but your origin story and how you got started. That's a loaded question. Um, So, okay, of course, brand coaching is is essentially just coaching uh, someone, an entrepreneur, brand, a company, into being more of who it is that they are seeking to be. 
Um, I, I feel like my, my job as a coach and consultant is just to kind of help them get clarity on what it is that they want to uh, share out there with the world. And then once we have clarity on that, then helping them, you know, come up with the visuals for things, the content for it, put it in the proper placement, and let's analyze it, see what's working, what's not. And a lot of things kind of go into that, of course, as you know, managing a brand. But just putting it simply, just taking their idea and then conceptualizing it and then bringing it to fruition. Um, well, you know, thanks for sharing that because I, I'll, I'll tell you all my um, – uh, connotation of that. Sometimes people be running a business, especially them entrepreneurs, and we got some crazy looking websites, some crazy looking content. You know, we don't have the proper headshots. We don't have the proper bios. And, and, and can't nobody tell you, right? Because one thing I love, entrepreneur, their business is their baby. And you can't tell nobody they baby ugly. But I think Tracy come in and she put lipstick on the baby. <laughs> she do whatever it takes. And I love that. But tell me this. Tell me about one of your first customers, your mother, right? You know, like, you know, tell us, you know, how, you know, do you help her? Did you help her in a similar way? You know, was it the chicken or egg? Were you already doing it? And then you help your mother? Like, how did that get started? Uh, Well, let's take it back all the way to probably high school for me. A uh, long time ago, I know. Uh, but yeah, in high school, I started helping mom with her writing that she was doing. She was doing public speaking and the, you know, where we lived at the time. And so I was her, like, basically assistant. I went to all the events. I would help her set up the tables, you know, when she had public speaking events, I was manning her book table. Um, so I, I was just around her doing her thing as a public speaker, as an author, as, you know, um, a writer and she was just doing workshops and all sorts of things. And um, it kind of went from there into editing her, her book. Um, and then from there branching into, you know, helping her start and manage the business on a, on a different level. Then I went off to college and then, you know, did life and everything. And so I uh, kind of helped out as I could up until maybe 2019 and kind of jumped back in in 2019 um, and started, you know, managing the brand again as officially executive director of communications. And so that's my role with her now. But it all started back in high school. Really, all of this kind of started, you know, when I was pretty young and just realized I had a passion for helping people um, and helping them develop the words for what it is that they're trying to get out there and, and do a message with. So... I think the term for that now is like social entrepreneur, social entrepreneurs or social mm. something. I I've heard that, that term. There. You know, yeah, I love that, that story. Social enterprise. Social enterprise, social enterprise, social enterprise. Yeah. You know, I love that story. i tell you why. Because it, it makes me think you're that kid, right? Think about it. High school and you traveling, helping mom with these things. Oh, my goodness. That child, right? And then, <laughs> yeah. And I think I was reading somewhere else. You had like you know, you top of the class or whatever, you know, graduated number one or something like that. It all makes Not sense. Huh? Pretty close. Not number one. Not number one. I won't give me that. But it was close. I was in the top like 13%. You know, I did I did well. I was a I was quite a, a nerd, if you will. Oh, I okay. loved it. Yeah, creative I, nerd. I'm glad you said it because I'm thinking I'm like, oh, <laughs> she started in high school? Oh, you that child. 
and, and, and as parents in the audience, in case you're wondering, that child, uh, yeah, that child. But let's talk about branding, right? You know, and I kind of alluded to a little bit. Well, let's talk about trends, right? What what um, trends have you noticed in the industry? Like for those entrepreneurs out there, you know, I invited some colleagues here tonight because um, they've been working on certain things. Some of them may have older websites. Some of them may have, you know, newer things. But it's a lot of work. And then, you know, not only is it a lot of work, there's all these trends and things that are happening, right? So what trends are you seeing out there, you know, and what should the um, entrepreneurs be aware of of some important things that's going on in this world of branding and marketing? Uh, well, the trends change, as we know. You know, I don't, it's hard to keep up with what all the trends can be. But uh, for the most part, I'm seeing a lot of video, a lot of um, new podcasting and streaming shows and uh, things like that to kind of branch off. From whatever your you know your niche is to just start something that can make you an authority or give you a voice of your own so creating your own platform and doing videos and uh live streams and things like that podcasts um that that's what i'm starting to see more of um and then also for as far as websites go just more interactive um websites where people can you know go on and and um and connect with you pretty quickly versus uh, kind of old school websites where it's just information and that's really all you get. There's no way to contact anybody or, you know, kind of get free information. So so we're seeing a lot of more uh, free resources, downloadable content, um, and then just people creating their own space, you know, for, for their voice to be out there. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, as I think about my experience it's so much work you got to do pr you got to do a blog you got to um create your own downloadable documents you got to add some video you got to get it edited you know a lot of people don't realize how much work podcasting is they're like oh i think it's cute like somebody told me recently like you got your little podcast i'm like did he say i got my little podcast right <laughs> and, and i'm like does this brother not know how much work right you know, like a job. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a lot of work, right? And, and it, you can easily be consumed by one thing. I'm so glad that I now have people like Afrosheen and KD and Tamika that just support because before I was like doing 10 things simultaneously. And that's just crazy, right? That's why y'all see my eyes going everywhere because I'm doing so much, right? But yeah. I could imagine, you know, having someone like you can be helpful because it reduces the burden of feeling like you have to do everything. You have to do it by yourself or you have to be responsible for everything. But I don't know. That's my take on it. Do you feel like your customers may experience some of that sometimes? Like, what are your thoughts? Yeah, definitely. I think when they come to me just as a prospect, they're they're really kind of at their wit's end. They feel like they're inundated with just so much that has to be done. And they're like, there's no way I'm going to get all this done and still be, you know, a professor, still be a good counselor, still be an educator or, you know, run my nonprofit or whatever it is that they do. So they have lives that don't involve uh, taking on social media and advertising and branding as a passion because it's a whole different ball game. It takes so much effort. Um, and there's a knowledge base there that you that you need to acquire or desire to acquire and have in order to kind of do it, even at a functional level. Um, there's an exceptional level and then there's a functional level. So, you know, functionally is just, OK, have you created your brand pages 
And then do you post every once in a while? That's functional. It, it works. But then exceptional is, are you going above and beyond and staying on top of things? And do you have a calendar? And are you doing kind of sort of all the things that is what exactly what is too much for a lot of my clients? So when they come to me, my, my job as a coach is to kind of hear them out, see what it is that they actually want to do, uh, what they're trying to do, and then kind of just helping them start, but maybe not get all of it done at once. So I'm looking for a long-term strategy. How can we break down what it is that you want to do into bite-sized pieces? What can we do now? What can we knock out now? What can be like phase two, phase three down the line? Um, what's going to require a different type of budget? You know, I'm looking at all different types of uh, ways to support them. Who's on your team? Who can manage this for you if you really don't have the time? If you can't afford somebody to do, you know, full management, then what can you afford and what can that get you? And being really realistic with them about what it is that they need, what they can actually do, and then actually coming up with solutions. You know, that's my goal with my with my brand now that just started in February last year. Uh, my goal is to help them with solutions and finding those either traditional or digital content solutions that will work for their brand to help them elevate their messaging to their audience. And so the solution might look different for a university versus um, a small mom and pop family business. You know, the solutions are different. So just listening to them and figuring out, okay, what's your best solution for your brand? Yeah, you know, it, it's kind of cool to see you have evolved to that place. And not just a place of, oh, I do marketing or I do a press release. It sounds like you're actually a partner, right? You're like, hey, yeah. you running your business, you have a partner. So much more than an executive assistant, but a person that says, hey, you are not alone. I got this, right? And I love the way you describe it because as I listen, I'm like, you know what? I get a whole bunch of stress that's disappearing, a whole bunch of I don't have to worry about this. But a whole bunch of, hey, Tracy, uh, um, can you handle this? Or what's going on? So, you know, what I also know because I have some insight is that you also meet the people where they are. I mean, your ranges, you know, you start at some entry-level things, and I'm calling it, you know, in case you guys want to know, we're going to share a link shortly where you guys can get a free 15-minute consultation with Tracy. And all you got to let them know is say, hey, we heard about it on Southern Soul, and it's going to be published later. So, so Tracy, when they, they show up, make sure they, you know, you're like, hey, didn't I see you on the show? Make sure they let because, you know, I, I will call them and be like, hey, no. what? Especially my aunt, because she'll be like, I, well, I just, you know. But um, make sure y'all let her know when, when y'all book that 15-minute consultation, let her know that you heard it here. But, Tracy, I, I enjoy how you describe that, because I can tell the value of it. And it's very valuable to have people to not only handle this, but understand it, but in a way where you can partner with the entrepreneur. Let's talk about family. I, wanted to, I did a poll today, and it was kind of funny. I'm like, okay. Working with your family, working with, you know, mom and them, is that a good idea? And for a while, it was trending to no. People were like, we ain't doing that. But then it kind of changed. And, you know, it was 60%, yes, you know, working with mom and working with family could be a good idea, right? But it was kind of, you know, going back and forth. Your mother is responsible for some awesome work. And we're going to talk to her shortly. She's responsible for the impact of COVID-19 on African-Americans in addition to advanced care planning, health care, and decision-making on end-of-life. In case y'all want to know what that means, 
is COVID then hit the African-American community hard in many places. In addition, what do we do when it hit us too hard? Do we have the proper things in place so that our people don't have to suffer? We're going to do that later. But Tracy, you've helped your mother build this. Tell us about that. You know, are there any nuances or skills you have to have to work with a family member, to work with your mom? I'm pretty sure y'all butt heads because I can tell both of y'all are go-getters, right? I mean, give us the secret. You know, if we out here thinking maybe I'm going to do, you know, something with mom or dad or whatever, do you recommend it, not recommend it? I know you're going to say yes, but I mean, what are your thoughts? Any suggestions? I'm going to say tread lightly, you know. Um, what else can I say? Not every family member is a family member that you might ought to go into business with or work closely with in business. Um, you really have to look at what 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 is your passion, what's your drive, your similarities, your dis- dissimilarities, you know, what's not the same, and, and see how can you work with this person. Um, so my mom and I have been working together for a long time. Obviously, I started with her, working with her when I was in high school. So we, we know each other very, very well. And that's one of the things that is, is a blessing and also a challenge in working with her um, as a client or in this fashion, right? Because I know her so well, but I get to know all of my clients very, very well. Um, so that, that, that works. That's a bonus. Um, but the challenge in that can be that I know her so well, you know, and not just her, but any of the clients. So I, you know, I, I pick up on the nuances of things that may not be, um, you know, their best or strongest skills or something that they may be less passionate in doing. And so, but that's a part of my job as a coach is to kind of work through those things and, and help and figure it out. We find a solution where I'm a problem solver. So so, you know, if there's an issue, I'm looking for how can we just fix it? You know, what can we do to resolve it? So um, I think if you're going to work, you know, in a family dynamic, you have to have at least one of those people be a problem solver um, because you're going to have challenges. You know, my husband and I also own a business together. And um, so that's, you know, a different type of family dynamic, husband and wife. But I, you know, I'm going to I'm just help me as I should be. And I'm, you know, his partner with that in the business, you know, that he has. And so, um, but yeah, I think just being willing to say, okay, we're not always going to agree on everything, uh, but one of us here has an expertise in some area that the other maybe does not. And so let's lean to that and let's figure out how can we solve any challenges that come up and just being realistic that, you know, you're going to disagree on some things. Let's try not to make it uh, a big deal, you know or let it become too much of a problem. And if it does, then maybe you have to look at it a little differently and say, you know what, is this the best thing for us to be doing together or should we, you know, kind of not do it? So, but, you know, obviously working with my mom has worked. We've been doing this for many, many, many years. Um, But I can't say that it's a, I wouldn't suggest it for every family member. Just say, okay, because we're related, let's do something together. I think you really have to be very thoughtful about it. You know, I I can't think of a better response. Um, Tread lightly. Tread lightly. In short, y'all know yourself. You know, I thought about doing a business with my daddy. I'm like, ooh, no. We we both stubborn. We both hard-headed. And we both talk too much. So I'm like, I I don't understand how that's going to work. And don't get me wrong, I love Pops. 
But I mean, I, I can only imagine the dynamics, but I love your response. Tread lightly. And I'm still going back. You've been doing this since high school. So I can only imagine the practice that you've had with mom, right? You know, being listening, watching mom. And then all of a sudden, as you're saying, you know, graduating to now, you're able to partner with your husband. I mean, that's a beautiful story. I, I love it. Let's talk about um, your clients, right? Can you help me understand, like, just for the people in the audience, right? They're checking you out. They're probably going to, you know, use the coupon code and be like, hey, we saw you on Southern Soul. And to me, if you don't mind dropping that um, where they can get that 15-minute call consultation, um, if you would, um, tell us about some of the challenges that you help your clients, customers overcome. For example, give us an example of how you help clients, you know, work to try to just get to that next level. Um, my clients come to me with all sorts of challenges. It could be, you know, lack of a social media presence. Um, I'm hearing some feedback. I'm sorry. It could be, um, upgrading their website. It could be that they need a press kit or a press release on an event. Uh, it could be something else. Maybe they're developing a, a product or some new, you know, developing some new product or course or something like that for their brand, and they just need guidance on what to pull in and, you know, all that part of it. Um, whatever their challenge is, though, that's, that's part of what I do to help figure that out and, and work with them to get the end result. So um, we've done things like um, redoing websites from you know, from the rooter to the tutor, all the way from beginning to the end, just, you know, revamping the whole entire website, um, taking it from the 80s to 2022 now, you know. Um, we've done that. We've also done social media strategy and brand strategy, um, PR planning and strategy as well, PR pitching, um, and uh, lots of different things. Brand development from scratch, you know, if they need a logo, if they're um, their messaging needs to be uh, kind of reviewed and, and revised. So we're looking at things from the foundation. I actually call it my Elevate Your Brand uh, program. And so I look at all the things from uh, your foundation, your mission, your vision, your values, who you are, uh, what you're trying to say. And once we get that good foundation together, then we can take that and develop content for all the different uh, areas that you're going to be touching, you know, whether it's a website or your public speaker or however we need to use your message. But we have to know who you are first. So I always start with the foundation and then and then from there we work in the solutions for their for their needs. And it and it varies. Um, there's a concept called integrated marketing communications. And I think I fall more in line with that than just branding, you okay. know, um, because that, that involves uh, PR, which I've done as well, public relations as a publicist. It involves social media, it involves branding, it involves, um, you know, analyzing your audience and, you know, what's working, what's not working and also brand identity. So it's, it's a lot. It's integrated marketing. Um, and that's more so what I do. You know, I like that you use that term because, you know, it's been a, I've heard that term before. And as you describe it, I'm like, yeah, what you're saying is so much more than branding, right? 
but that integrated approach, and, and I, I can think of a visual now where you have all of these pieces that touch your what people perceive. And, you know, the, the reason why this brand is important, in case people don't realize it, it's like you, you, you want people to be able to remember you or think about you or, you know, they'll be at Thanksgiving and they'll be like, yeah, I got to, you know, go to this person for this thing, right? And and it's also clear because they want to know like, oh, if I go to this person, I'm going to get the thing that I want, the quality, the experience that I want. So I like the way you describe it, Tracy, because it's like, oh, you do so much, but the integrated approach is you connect all of the dots and the pieces together. Right. And that's an awesome thing. Yeah. Going back to that challenge of an entrepreneur is you're juggling so many things. You're wearing too many hats and having someone who can stitch because, you know, I often I remember asking I was asking some um, PR people this question. I'm like, hey, there's traditional PR stuff. What are you guys doing about the digital stuff, the social media? They're like, oh, we don't do that. That's that new age stuff. We don't do it. I'm like, huh? So they were like very, very, you know, hey, we're traditional PR, you know, whatever people and we don't trust the new stuff. But your approach as integrated, that means you take the old, the new. Essentially, you focus on what works. And I like yeah. that because that's essentially what we need in small businesses. We don't need somebody over here, you know, in love with what they do. We need somebody who can connect the dots and do what they love. I mean, make it work. But what do you want to say to that? Because, right. you know, you, I just had an aha moment. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that PR has definitely changed from the traditional sense of it. Um, I started doing PR in like the early 2000s and uh, working with um, a show that I was producing it was on internet. This is before they called it a podcast. It was an internet live streaming radio talk show. Like they didn't have a short, cute name for it at the <laughs> time. So that's how long ago this was. But it was basically a podcast. There was a streaming show. And, um, but yeah, I started doing PR. That was in the early 2000s. And it was a little different. Um, that was for the beginning of the social media. Um, era, as you, as you, if you will, before it really kind of became what it is today. It just started out with blogs and blogs, if you will, video logs, if you remember them being called that. Um, and so now we're in a whole different, different season of what social media is and how you can use it. Um, PR has has changed with that, and it's it it is still traditional in a lot of ways. There is a, a use for the traditional format. Um, you know, the press wires and the press releases and the, you know, the, the real formal way to do it, it's still there and it's still valuable. And it also helps with SEO, which brings me to the digital piece of that, is that you have to incorporate both because social media has taken over probably three quarters of any um, awareness that you're going to get is going to come from social media. Um, so you can't ignore the impact of that. And you have to really think about incorporating um, social media strategies, if you will, into your public relations and vice versa. Um, it is another avenue of, of bringing awareness to your brand. So, um, yeah, and it, it is it's public relations at any at any point. I mean, it's putting your brand, your business out there in the best way you can using social media, using other content types, um, interviews like this, this is public relations, you know, but sharing the, um, the flyers and sharing on my stories and things like that, that's social media, <laughs> but you want to do both. So you have to integrate. It's, it's important. 
as a blend. Yeah, I think we. Um, Are you still there? Yeah, we lost you for a second, but now you're back. Yeah, and, and, and as we um, wrap up, we're gonna. I'm gonna give the audience some questions to think about as we transition. Um, I'm gonna do a quick commercial break. I'm gonna give you guys some updates on Southern Soul, and then we're gonna transition to Glory, and then we're gonna come back for some Q and A. But um, I, I love what you said, and there's the old and the new. But as an integrated branding marketing professional, you help entrepreneurs stitch it all together. You have a PR over here. You have a social media campaign. You have imagery. You have tone. You have voice, and it all fits together. And I love that. Um, but I, I can only imagine it can be scary for an entrepreneur because the latest is, of course, TikTok. And TikTok is taking over Google as the number one website on the world. And I've heard about you know people who shouldn't be out there dancing. They're dancing trying to get people to do, you know follow their brand. So I'm like. Yeah, I can do social media, but that dancing for TikTok, that's just too much. So I don't know what I'm doing about that. We'll talk about that later. You know what I mean? Because um, I'm about to find somebody to dance for me so I can do a TikTok, whatever. I don't know. But um, tell us this. Um, what do you see yourself growing in the next five or 10 years? It seems like you do what you love. You love what you do. What do you see your business evolving in the next five, 10 years? Oh, um, I want to do more in the production side, on the production side of things. Um, I've always had an interest in script writing and uh, entertainment uh, in that form on television and just creating production. So I really want to be able to develop my own business the way of creative into something that could, could help me do that, you know, to help me produce commercials and maybe, um, short shows and things like that and actually hire the talent to be able to do that. Um, writing out the scripts, you know, with my team and, and developing brands that I can promote that are uh, for consumption in that way. So I don't know what that looks like altogether, but it's in my head. It's on my bucket list. That's all, you know, so uh, it'll, it'll come to fruition. I'm just not sure exactly how, but I know it's, it's going to, it's going to happen. I love it. That's a, a OMG moment. And I, I tell you why I love it, because I can see the pieces coming together. I see your foundation. I see what you do. You're building brands. But now you go and you start creating your own brands. And as I say, content is king. The more content you produce, the more it's like producing that record in the 60s that still plays today. So producing that show, that's an awesome experience. So I can I, I'm just getting excited for you. For the audience, as we transition to our break, um, Tracy, it has been awesome chatting with you. Tamika, if you don't mind dropping, uh, I think you already put her website into the chat. So if you guys want to follow up um, with Tracy and um, book that 15-minute session, do. Uh, and I highly recommend her. Um, one of the things that I've been told is that in this market where as you know, a community or a black podcaster, People are stronger to believe your recommendation because they know it comes with a bit of trust. It comes with a bit of whatever. And I feel comfortable recommending Tracy because I met with her and I talked to her and I understand what she does. So as a brother here at Southern Soul, I said, y'all check out Tracy. And um, I'm going to tell my aunt Tracy, who's right down the street from you guys, to also check you out. So audience, think about these questions. What is your biggest pet peeves about entrepreneurs or sloppy brands? Another thing to think about, we're going to come back on the Q&A, is what is the biggest challenge you have experienced 
and with your brand. In fact, feel free to put it in the chat. So while I do this commercial break, you guys can put it in the chat and we can um, go from there. So let me, um, let's see. Yep, I got Dr. Gloria there. Gloria will be back shortly. And I now see the issue I created. Don't do that. <laughs> let me see if I can, yeah, don't do that. Creating all kinds of problems. And I fixed it. Sorry. So welcome team. Happy New Year. I see a few people pop in that, you know, I hadn't seen in a while. So uh, welcome back to Southern Soul in 2022. We have been doing an awesome year of focusing brand new year health. We started with New Year, New Year, focus, New Year, focus on um, plant-based diets, um, lifestyle fitness. Last week, we had an awesome story of a brother who had been struggling with type 2 diabetes for over 30 years. And he gave a testimony and a story that just make you wonder how this thing has hit our community so hard. This week, we're talking about the impact of COVID on the African-American community. And next week, we're going to wrap up our health series with the future of nursing. And we're going to have a great opportunity. So if you know nurses or people who are interested in nursing, we're going to be talking about how the future of nursing, as you can imagine, COVID hits us and all of a sudden this increased demand and stress that's on the healthcare industry. But at the same time, we got some diversity and inclusion issues. How is that going to work out? How are we going to make sure that the right people with the right skills and the right understanding is there to make sure that we have quality healthcare for all? But it's an awesome opportunity because what we have here tonight is Dr. Gloria Thomas Anderson. And I am so excited for you to be here tonight. Welcome, Dr. Gloria. Thank you for being here. Hi, Calvin. Thank you for having me. I had to unmute. <laughs> no worries. No worries. I know it. Um, technology can be funny at times. You know, Dr. Gloria, I remember when um, I first, you know, saw your information. I was so excited. And I tell you why. Um, when COVID first hit, you know, I've always surrounded myself with by a bunch of PhD friends just because I was in a college town and that's what we did. And we still keep in touch. And I'm talking to this person at NIH and she's just, I'm like, I don't know what it is. But at first, my nuance was my aunt and her small business, they were talking about these PPP loans or and they were like, she's like, I got one, but you got, this sister's bad. She always the first mover, right? But then I saw and discovered she would probably like the only black minority business that got the um, loan initially. Nobody else would get them. So then as I'm meeting with this friend who's at NIH and she's like, oh, I'm getting ready to give this talk. And I'm like, what is it about? She's like, oh, about this. And I'm like, okay, I'll help you with that. And so we're talking through it. And so we're talking through it. I had this aha moment of how, because at first they were like, oh, it's hitting black people, but it's a little different, but nobody understood it. Mm -hmm. We couldn't really explain it. we like, what's happening first? You know, we're like, it don't get us. You know, we not, you know, it's going to skip us. But then all of a sudden it started hitting us hard and it started hitting us hard everywhere. It hit entrepreneurs. It hit entrepreneurs who didn't have benefits. It hit people who didn't have good benefits. It hit people who were, um, had pre-existing conditions that had, it, it hit the community hard. 
But that's your expertise. So when I found you, I was really excited. I was like, oh, my goodness, I got to talk to Dr. Gloria. But that's why I wanted you to be here tonight. So thank you for being here. Do you mind telling the audience a little bit about you and your origin story? Because I'm really looking forward to hearing the story about your mother. But, you know, before you go there, just tell us, you know, about, you know, how you got your background and how you got into this topic. Okay, well, I got into this topic um, really by, I don't say accident, because I believe God orders our steps. Um, but I was uh, working at the VA as an intern, social work intern, and they did a push for advanced uh, directives. Um, and I worked with dialysis patients. Most of them were African-American, and they did not want to do this form. They didn't want to complete it. And they talked to me, of course, and just told me why, and that was because of their mistrust of the system. Uh, one uh, comment that I'll never forget, forget is uh, uh, one of the vets said, um, why would I, why would they care about me if I die, if they're not caring about me while I live? And wow. um, yeah, it, it really made open my eyes because, you know, we don't, when we're in community, we don't really hear terms like racial disparity or healthcare disparities or institutionalized racism we don't hear those type of terms uh, normally in our everyday conversations with people in our community, our churches, um, <clears throat> and just in general, that's not the topic. Um, but it is very important to be aware of that because it's impacting every everything. So going back to my, my story of origin, um, I wound up... Um, um, going through, uh, well, I wrote the book after that. So I wrote the Let's Talk About, not the Let's, I just created that program. I wrote the African American Spiritual and Ethical Guide to End of Life Care, which y'all gonna do with me. And that booklet was a uh, part of my research in my social work master's program. And it, it, it started because of those comments from those veterans who said they don't trust this process. And as I started digging into the literature and doing some research around that, uh, I found that what they said was validated everywhere. It's, it's just there. Um, there is a, a major uh, issue around this in our community. So that's kind of what started me, um, the booklet. I hadn't planned to make it a booklet. I received a grant. I actually was uh, invited to speak around my research in Canada for spirituality and social work conference. And I applied for a travel grant. And uh, the uh, funders love my concept of my notes with my focus groups and the comments of what people needed to know, people of color, what they were lacking in knowledge around. And I had created this like little handwritten uh, booklet uh, of answering their questions, if you will. Oh, wow. And they loved that. And they were like, we, we can't give you the money to go there, but we'll give you some money to create this into a patient education resource. And so I did. And so that was the first edition in 2006. And it's in its ninth edition right now. And it's on the CDC recommended list of uh, works around advanced care planning uh, for African-Americans. Awesome. Awesome. Now that is an origin story. 
you know, the good Lord will provide, as they say, you know, you out there living your life, doing your job, following your passion, and you don't stumble into this thing, but you really, really just keep following it, right? But my favorite part of your story is that as I was kind of doing some research, and I was like, well, let me understand what she does and things like that. I stumbled across the blog that you wrote about your mom. Such a beautiful story. Do you mind sharing with the audience some of that story of how your work then turned into an actual, you know, experience with your mom? Yeah. Well, on the book, when I wrote the Spiritual and Ethical Guide to Intellect Care, which y'all going to do with me, I used my mom's picture on the cover. And that's why I've never changed the the picture uh, in honor of her in the ninth edition from the first to this particular edition. I changed content, upgrade that, but I keep the picture. And so when I took the, took the booklet home to my mom in Texas at the time, she looked at it, she read the title and she said, what y'all going to do with me? And then she looked at me, she said, well, what y'all going to do with me? And I said, well, mom, what do you want us to do with you? And she said, I don't want to be hooked up to all those machines and all of that. If I'm not breathing on my own, I don't want tubes down my throat. I, you know, she described what she wanted. And advanced care planning, that is what it is. It's telling your loved ones what you would want if you weren't able to speak for yourself uh, due to a medical emergency or life-threatening illness. And so at the time when she... Um, she told me that, I said, well, let's write it up. Let's write down what your wishes are so that we can honor that. And, um, you know, fast forwarding um, 10 or 12 years later, how many years was that? 10 years later. Yeah, about 10 years later, um, she was in a situation where her uh, illnesses were, um, you know, life-threatening. And uh, I asked her, uh, you know, Mom, um, what do you want us to do? And she said, I, I don't want that same, the same thing. I said, well, but let's update everything so that we can have what you want. And um, within those weeks, of course, you know, family, what happens sometimes, we love, we all love differently, right? And we all bring something different to the table in our relationships. There's all these dynamics. So I can love you. My brother can love you. My sister can love you. But we all have different intentions, motivations, rationale for our love or our care or concern. So that, what I'm saying that for is we didn't all agree on how mom's care should be when she was at the end of life. However, because she made her wishes known to us, we honored her wishes. And what that does is it stops a lot of chaos and confusion and, you know, just infighting and uh, ugliness that I've seen over the years. I've been doing this for over 15 years now. And uh, I've seen some not so good things with people in family situations because someone uh, was, you know, in an uh, accident and, and unable to speak for themselves. And the family members are wanting to um, give their love, their support. They want to show that but they're not, they don't know how. And so they don't always agree. And what that can do is you, the person who can't speak, if you don't know what those wishes are, you can't honor those wishes. So one of the blessings for us with my mom was when she was in those moments where she wasn't able to speak for herself, we were able to honor her wishes. 
and uh, we were all around her. She loved family. My mom was an awesome soul food cook. She was a cosmetologist. I grew up in that industry. I had my license early on because I used to work for my mom. I used to help her in her business. So, um, but this is uh, when she when she was uh, in that time of, of transitioning. We were all around her. All of her grandkids, her her, her you know, uh, our, our, the close family members, all of us, grandchildren, the siblings, and my dad. And I was actually saying a prayer over my mom when she transitioned, and um, and. It was it was heartbreaking, but it was beautiful in the sense that we all were at peace with her going because we knew we honored what she wanted. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that story. And I know it's real because the part that you mentioned, I know is real, is the chaos, the confusion when it's not properly done. So much so recently, a couple months ago, I buried my baby brother. And he had no such things in place. And exactly like you called it, all of the chaos happened. All of the fighting. And many people ask, like, why do you keep doing shows? I'm like, well, people mourn differently. But the only sense of consistency I had was the ability to show up Thursday and focus on doing the show. But it was at that moment, I'm like, I have to find Dr. Gloria. And I didn't essentially hadn't connected with you at the time, but I was like, I have to connect with her because I need to get her so that we can share the message so I can make sure that my family, as I tell them, we have more of these in front of us than behind us. We have more people who are going to transition in front of us than behind us. So it's to our benefit to learn and not put ourselves through that pain again. Because you are so busy with the family stuff. I'm getting ready to change. I'm telling you, I was mad. You know, I'm good now, but I was mad. I'm like, you know what? This person was on my paperwork, but I'm changing it because they disappointed, hurt all my feelings, right? Mm. But it's difficult. You can't even mourn. You can't even have that sense of peace. So thank you for sharing that story because I know it's real because I went through the confusion and the frustration just two months ago. But let's keep going. Um, COVID-19, racism. Tell us about your work, Dr. Gloria, with COVID-19 racism as it relates to disparities in healthcare and the impact on African-Americans. Tell us about that work you do. Well, when COVID uh, hit in 2020, um, it was devastating to us as a people. Um, We were dying three times the rate of whites. And that's significant because we only make up like 12 to 13 percent of the total U.S. population. And also with that, we have the highest chronic illness rate of all other ethnic groups in this country. So there is there that in itself is a, a major disparity, but that wasn't visible until COVID hit. COVID brought out the light of what really had already been happening since slavery, or the you know the whole the, you know, we know that story too, right? And um, 
so with COVID, what I what I did, uh, I partnered with uh, different groups to create educational webinars and podcasts around topics that were important for us in our community because we have a lot of mistrust and we don't get right information a lot of times. I, th I heard you all talking about social media and Twitter and all of these uh, wonderful ways to get out your message, but some people use that not in a good way. And so there was a lot of misinformation and myths circulating in our community during COVID, which did contribute to the high death rate. Um, so one of the things that was important to me in the work that I've been doing in the educational arena is to how can I um, give culturally relevant and um, credible information around COVID that will benefit our community to, you know, empower us. And uh, so, yeah, so I spent the whole 2020 uh, recording uh, and, and presenting and doing all sorts of things around COVID, around um, racism, about around how that historically it has impacted us and how it is so ingrained and interwoven into every societal aspect of our lives that we don't even see it. It's an, almost an invisible oppression, but it is definitely there. And we feel it, but we don't always know what that is. And if you follow the money, as they say, you'll see that it goes back to institutionalized racism at its core. Well, th thank you for sharing that, because I'm glad that you were on the front lines doing work at that time. I'll tell you why. I have a friend that may be here tonight, and I remember talking to her, and she's like, well, what's your perspective on these things? I'm like, well, you know, I'm an engineer by training. I know how it is when, you know, any new invention comes out. It takes a few revisions before we get it right, right? Everything's defective up front. So I was like, I don't trust it at first. And I was like, I'm going to wait, right? And that's what I want to do. And, you know, and I had my own reasons, right? But, you know, she's a doctor, so she didn't like that response. But I said, you know, it's okay. Tell me how you're going to deal with it. And she's like, well, you know, I'm a doctor. My sister's a doctor. You know, my sister's a nurse, you know, my mother's a nurse, and we work at this prestigious hospital, and we all get information from a highly respected person in the industry, who to some extent has been giving us a true north of what to do ever since this thing happened. And I had an OMG moment. I said, wow, she is surrounded by medical professionals and people in her circle that can give her consistent information so much so she wasn't as affected by the misinformation. She would see the misinformation, the lies, the manipulation, the, you know, the, the hyper-political thing that happened. To, you know, I tell people, how often in life do you have to make a decision? And it's, you know, politics, it's health, and it's, um, I don't know, everything all in once. It was so complicated. But I appreciate that you were there to just kind of make sure that people had a consistent message because it's still confusing today. And I'm glad that you understand it so that you can help other people understand it. But tell me this, from your experience in dealing with this topic, what do you think is some key factors that 
has been influencing, you know, African-American healthcare decisions, you kind of alluded to a little bit, right? You know, such as not trusting the system. You know, have you seen other things? Because I, I like in your book, you have a spiritual component. And Tamika dropped in the chat. So you guys can go check out that book and purchase it. But what else is it, you know, because there's, there's some distrust of some other stuff there. Right. Yeah. Uh, a couple of things that come to my mind, um, along with the historical mistrust uh, of the healthcare system, is a uh, fear of exploitation. Um, and that happens because people fear that if they complete an advanced care directive, which are those documents that express what your wishes would be if you're not able to speak for yourself in a medical situation. So it's a healthcare advanced directive. And uh, they feel, some people do feel that it's going to uh, hasten their death. With the disparity issue, if you look at that, you would say, so if I signed here and say, um, you know, that I don't want to be uh, resuscitated, for example, then um, then they might not do it. And they might just purposely not do it because they don't, this black body is not as important as some others, right? So that's a fear. And then a major one is uh, African-Americans. I think I, I last looked at was like 83% of them uh, have some type of faith or spiritual based value system. And the black church is why it's so critical for us to um, partner with our, our faith community because we can uh, reach people in a, in a safe setting, in a space that they feel trustworthy of, of this kind of information. But our religious and spiritual values sometimes influence our decision-making. For example, some of the recurrent themes uh, in the literature are things like having faith in God, that basic one, having faith in God, believing that even though you might be diagnosed with something uh, that is life-threatening or terminal or whatever the doctors say, that because you have faith in God, you believe that God is the healer, that God is going to restore you, and that Things are going to go the way God says, not what necessarily the the, the the report says, right? Wow, that's a big one. I, I mean, I, I hadn't read your book yet, so I was curious. But, wow, those two things you just said, fear of exploitation is one. I mean, we've been talking about Tuskegee for years, but it's not just Tuskegee. Right. Fear of exploitation is still current today. Like, that's crazy real. And then yeah. spirituality such as, wait, whoa, whoa, the doctor's not the decision maker. Mm -hmm. My God is the decision maker. I'm not signing any papers. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's a big topic. I'm, I'm going to leave it right there because that's a whole conversation by itself, Dr. Gloria. So, so where are we now? What do you feel that, you know, what do you think some conversations that African-Americans should be having with their family members, you know, about advanced care planning, this end-of-life planning? What are some key conversations and how should we be talking about this with all of this stuff that's going on? What are some things that you feel we should be talking about? And I'm hoping for some techniques and tactics that work because this is some hard conversations. Yes, absolutely. It is not an easy topic to, to, um, even discuss people don't want to necessarily talk about um, 
death and dying, but it is a part, it's inevitable. We're all going to leave here. You said that earlier, more people on this side that are going to transition than what has been behind us, including ourselves. And um, so one of the things I think is very important, um, uh, well, the booklet that I wrote actually has 22 important things that you need to know. Okay. That has been um, a, a great source for people to uh, just have a conversation like my mom did. That When I took the book, when the first issue, and I took that to her, and she saw a picture on it, and she read it, we had never had that conversation ever. You know, but it gave us an end to it because she asked from something in the book. And so I've gotten emails and um, phone calls and just over the years, just lots of people thanking me for the booklet because it gave them a way to uh, talk with their family members in a non-threatening way without it being overbearing or too serious. Just say, let's talk about a point in this book. Um, you know, what would your wishes be if you couldn't speak for yourself? And uh, this is what mine would be. You know, it's it's basically you 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 the people that matter most to you this is something that you want to talk about with them. And even though they may not want to talk about it with you, uh, it's really important that we have the advocacy component uh, in our lives if we can't speak for ourselves, mainly in part due to, to the historical uh, mistreatment that has been experienced by the Black population over, the, over these many years. Well, so advocacy is very important, and, and you want to be an advocate for your loved ones, and you need advocacy for yourself as well from somebody that you know will speak up for you, that are that will ask questions, that will ask about that treatment plan, ask about that medicine. What are you giving my loved one? You know, and what does it do? And, and that you you are you're there for them. You you know you're their voice when they can't have their voice. So I I that's that's that I'm partial to it because I've been in, involved in it for so many years, mm-hmm. and it's kind of commonplace and normal for me. But that is a great way to do it. It's just to just to start out with something in, in the book and talk about it. I, I like that. And I love the concept of the book being a conversational starter because I'm definitely going to purchase the book for a few family members and it can definitely be a good conversation starter. How do you feel that in conclusion, before we go to Q and a, and I'm going to bring back Tracy, um, how do you feel that African-Americans in the light of all of this, right? COVID-19 advanced care planning you know, exportation to ski. How do you feel, right? We should look at healthcare just a little bit differently in the wake of what we've seen and what we experienced lately. Because there's been a lot, like you said earlier, we always knew that we had some pre-existing conditions. We always knew we didn't have the best, you know, insurance as a community. But it's something like COVID came that really, really exploited that. How do you feel we should look at things a little different in healthcare as a result? Uh, well, I feel like we have to be proactive on our own part with our own family and ourselves. First of all, being aware, being aware, awareness is, is great because if you know about something, then you know what to look out for. 
And then the point I just made about advocacy and asking questions, we that's very important. Not to just make it, just assume that you're getting the care that you want or that your loved one is getting the care that they want. Because COVID, again, has been a catalyst. It has exposed so many injustices, especially around the, the you know, the, um, even with the ventilators and who gets to get one. Those stories, massive news stories out there that show the disparity rate of how the you know proportion of, of people of color getting those ventilators because they, in, in many cases, they, they would decide who would get it based on the person's uh, uh, expectancy to live life. So if you had two or three uh, co-morbidities... Uh, uh, yeah, I don't like that word either. <laughs> you know, pre-existing things coming together at once in one place. Um, you have that and you're older, you may be uh, put out of the, the race for the ventilator. Uh, because why? Because of those existing conditions and your age. So there was a lot of um, a lot of things. I, I did a lot of, of uh, presentations around those particular issues and used some of those stories of, of how black people were sent home to die, basically. Many of them died with COVID initially uh, because they weren't being treated. Um, you know, just, just that. So yes, we as a community, we have to be aware we have to advocate for each other and ourselves, and we have to ask those questions, those hard questions, and um, to, to, to be more empowered. You know, I, I love that, and I'm going to bring Tracy back. You know, I, I love that because I remember when I, the first health show I did was on um, the um, um, disparities in health care for pregnant moms. And I didn't understand. I'm like, why do you keep talking about this racism stuff? This is medicine. And, you know, it, it, it's a simple topic, but it's sometimes it, it takes a little bit to connect the dots. But it, and then as I begin to listen to the speaker, I begin to like, whoa, OK, there's always been this thing of lack of respect or appreciation of black bodies. So there's always been a little bias out there. But what happens when you add bias to what medicine you get or bias to you're, oh, you're going to die anyway, so, you know, why let's waste a ventilator on you? It's just, it's it's, hor it's horrible. Yeah, it is. Thank you is. for breaking it down for us tonight, Dr. Gloria. I have your daughter back, Tracy. What's up, Tracy? Thank you for being patient. We got Q&A now. And what I would like to do for the audience, and I'm going to start with some questions. Hopefully, Katie, um, Tamika, you guys have questions for the audience. But I'm going to start with an open discussion questions for everybody, right? So if you're in the audience, feel free to speak up or put it in the chat if, you know, sometimes people be pretending to be shy. But um, I'm interested for the people in the audience, how might we improve these end-of-life advanced care planning conversations in the community, in this case, African-Americans, to ensure that our loved ones aren't suffering unnecessarily? that their wishes are being met. That as Dr. Gloria said, they're having someone advocate for them. 
and not just anybody advocate for them, but the person who understands the situation advocate for them. Open discussion. What we got from the audience? Tamika Tracy, we got any um, people who are dying to go first? It's, it's I'm looking. Fine. Yeah, it it takes them a minute to get started. <laughs> they always do that. And it's actually, like, oh. there's one question in the chat, but it's directed to Tracy. Okay, let's go with that question first. Okay, if there, um, what would Tracy suggest as a starting point for an existing company or business owner to revamp their brand in these current times, i.e., dealing with COVID and the digital age? That's a good question. <laughs> I'd say book a free call with me and um, and let's talk about what your options might be. My my first go to thing when I talk with uh, with prospects or clients is let's look at what you currently have, um, and let's look at what you want it to be, and then let's look for discrepancies. <laughs> let's see what do we need to change. So we're looking at you know. Um, just in general, the content that might already be present on the website is important. Are you clear about what you do and why? Are you clear about who you serve um, and what solution you provide to them? Uh, that's always a great place to start. Uh, I, I find that a lot of times people don't know that answer in itself. and. Or they might be clear on it, but it's not coming through in the content. So initially, I would say just do a, a content review. Um, and of course, contact me too, because I do a, a strategy uh, assessment as well. Uh, at, at the free call, we could talk about that. And if you wanted to have that sort of assessment done on your brand, we can we can do that as well. But we'll look at a, a deep dive in, your, in the content and the strategy. Like I said in the beginning, the foundation is the most important part. So if you know who you are, what you do, why you do it, you're able to explain that in your, your mission, your vision, uh, your values, and then you're able to create a vibe around your, your brand that, that can give the essence of all of those things of who you are in your foundation through your content, no matter what type of content that is, or the social website, podcast, a book, a course, whatever that is, um, that's the key is, is being able to translate that, um, that foundation in multiple different platforms and not lose sight of, of your, your ultimate foundation of who you are and why you do what you do and for whom you do what you do and what solution it provides for them. So let's start there. Thank you, Tracy. I, I love that response because that, that was a hard question. It, it, it is definitely a hard question. And, and I can tell by your response. I mean, I think it's a discussion, right? It's a conversation mm -hmm. because there's so much there and there's so much going on. So um, let's see. What other questions do we have? I think, what, did Antonio have a question, Tracy? What was it? Oh, that was starting point, existing company. What yeah. a question we got from the audience. Tracy, I mean, Tamika, you can call on somebody. I'm going to see who we got. Oh, well. We got Uncle Walter. We and Daryl Green put one in there. Oh, what Daryl Green got? He said he wanted to ask Gloria, how do you get senior citizens to talk about end-of-life planning without offending them? Where do you start? And then he got shout out to Shreveport. 
<laughs> well, Gerald and I both are from Shreveport, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know, that's that's a good question too, Daryl, because um, as a person coming to that conversation, um, you have to be. And Tracy said earlier in business or in the in work that she does with family, just tread lightly. I think that that applies here too, um, because. You don't want your your good intentions to be uh, misunderstood to to for someone to think that you're trying to get something from them or you know you know I don't know just so much out there and, and so much that happens in families that's not good that you know people uh, older people are more vulnerable uh, to that kind of stuff so. You have to really, I believe you have to pray. <laughs> I believe you have to pray about it. And, and you have to have a relationship with those elder people, the people that are elderly in your life. It, it can't be that you haven't talked to them in a year and then you're going to call them up and ask them, do they have an advanced care plan in place? You know what I mean? It has to, it has to be where there's relationship. And they know that when you're asking about this, or anything related to the business of life for them, that you're doing that from a place of love and concern and not profit. So that, that I think is just making sure that those, that that is aligning with, with the, with the conversation. Hey, you know, I, I heard a lot, but the main thing I heard is pray. That's what I heard. You said you got to pray just to make it today. That's what I heard, Dale Green. Yeah. <laughs> pray. And what I also heard, and I love it, Dr. Gloria, she said, don't wait a whole year since you talked to him and ask him, like, okay, what y'all? Because <laughs> yeah. I know me, I'm getting ready for this show, so I'm, you know, trying to be conscious. I'm having a conversation. And all of a sudden, the conversation went left. I'm like, I think he, I didn't say he, but they, you know, think I want their money. I'm like, I, I ain't never want nobody money, right? But it was like, it is, it is weird, the stuff that comes out of it, right? So, but yeah, it's tread lightly. You got to pray. What else we got? Yeah, you got to pray. <laughs> Just to make it today. What else we got? I want to add something to that. Can I add something? Go, go ahead. I, I really feel um, like just starting the conversation is the hardest part, right? About any any of the topics uh, that are difficult topics to have, just initially starting that conversation. So like Dr. Gloria pointed out, her book is a, an excellent uh, tool to use to start the conversation. Um, also with some of the, the work that she's put out um, that, you know, that we've worked on throughout the last couple of years with COVID and a pandemic, we've got webinars and podcasts and different things on the website as far as resources that can be used. So maybe bring to that conversation a tool in hand and say, hey, um, grandma or you know whomever it is, take a look at this and let me know what you think. Or listen to this part of this podcast and let me know what your thoughts are. Or um, you know, a friend and I were talking about this and she gave me this brochure. Take a look and let's talk about it. So coming prepared with the, to the conversation with uh, a resource in hand can sometimes be an, another way to kind of break open the ice and, and start that, that hard conversation 
about a topic that nobody really wants to talk about. You know, what are y'all going to do with me when I'm on my deathbed or in a really bad place? Um, we don't want to talk about it. Um, and it's hard. So I say bring a tool with you. Bring a resource of some sort. Um, oh, just a, a little plug, too. We have a, a website. I'm sorry. Our website for ACPforAA.org is uh, one of the initiatives that Dr. Gloria uh, began last year. And that one is focused uh, specifically with bridging that disparity gap for African-American healthcare ACP. Um, and it is a, a trusted resource. We partner with um, hospice and we had uh, funding uh, for that as well. So we've got a four part pillar podcast that's there. That would be a great resource for someone to use as well. It's four parts to that and it addresses, um, you know, what is ACP, healthcare ACP. There's a, a skit on episode two that has a, a, a granddaughter and a mom or a mom and a granddaughter chatting I like about that. it. And, yeah. And so, and there's a skit. So there's like role play. And then, you know, we're talking with experts about how to complete the forms. And that's a big question too. So, um, and then, you know, just the importance of doing that, which is something we've already talked about tonight. So I would suggest if you're really wanting to have this conversation with someone, whether they're elderly or even a young person or whomever, that you that you reach out to the website, um, to some of Dr. Gloria's work there, and, and, and just help start the conversation with some resources in hand. And yeah, good luck to you. Awesome, awesome. Please do it. Please do it. One more question before Afro Sheen closes us out with a nice set. Anyone else have a dying question or anything that's on their mind? There was one that came through that Calvin mentioned making changes to his estate. What is the best way to make changes to your estate or end of life planning? And how often should this be done? That is a great question too. Um, the whole estate, there's your, um, there's your legal part of what you do, and then there's the medical part. So there's really two parts. Your legal is your, like your will and what you're going to do there, but your advanced care directive is more on the healthcare side. Uh, both require power of attorney and someone trusted. There's criteria that needs to be met. Uh, we do have some of that information on the acp4aa.org website as well. Um, but in terms of how often do you change it or update it, you, it's something that it's it's, um, it's 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 emotion. You know what I mean? It's always going on like life. It's a continuation. Last year is not this year. So looking at all of that over time to see if things apply. Some people in terms of the legal part want to make sure that I, I remember a case where the um, husband and wife had gotten divorced and he had married another person and when he died his insurance was still in the insurance of the first wife, things like that. So you have to be fluid in, in keeping up with your life's uh, stage changes, those major times in your life to, to when a birth of a child or the death of a loved one or even health concerns that change. Um, it, yeah, so it, it, it is a very um, 
it's something that each of us has to do and assess uh, of our own lives what that looks like. But definitely it is a continuation process and it's not a one and done kind of thing. Thank you, Dr. Gloria. Thank you, Tracy. I definitely say tonight has been an awesome show. We feel safe in your hands. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for continuing to support the community and all that you do. Next week, we're going to wrap up our health series with the future of nursing, creating career pathways and mentorship in nursing with Dr. Laffany Sharp Meharry, Dean of College of Natural Behavior and Health Services. We're going to talk about how the people who are on the front line, those nurses, can help us think about how we can deal with things such as disparities. Disparities. I can't say it right now. How we can deal with making sure that the proper skills are in place. So if you have anyone and know anyone that's a nurse or curious about nursing, make sure they come back next week. Thank you all very much. Afro Sheen, take us out. Thank you for joining us at Southern Soul Livestream Talk Show. Join us weekly at soullivestream.com. If you're joining us live, we'll take a quick music break and then come back for a discussion with the audience.